Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. On the program this week, we have author, podcast producer, comedian, uh, fan, all-around nice guy, Paul Gannon, who's going to be talking about his uh, book that's up on Unbound for crowdfunding right now. Uh, We've also got uh, Hasbro PulseCon news. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Louisiana Ghostbusters looking for relief efforts for Hurricane Laura. A whole bunch of stuff coming up here on the show. Stay tuned. It's a long one, but it's a a great one. We've got a lot of content for you as well. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keyboard? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! I've tried very hard to resist all these ads on social media for the the talking animated pumpkins have you seen those no uh-uh. basically imagine an artificial pumpkin with a little projector inside and so it projects the pumpkin face like the jack-o'-lantern face onto the front uh it kind of like the haunted mansion things yeah or, yeah and it uh Apparently has little songs. They they show three of them sitting together, singing a, a like different parts of a song together. Like <laughs> that's cool. So I have many many questions, but mostly all it does is it it really makes me want to get one and attempt to hack one. And the the, the tricky part is is what ultimately what I want is I want to to hook one of these things up to. Man, I guess you'd have to like basically you'd have to set it up in Unreal, just some sort of. Uh, it's either that or well, no. Anyways, what you're trying to I'm trying to get it is is like cheap and dirty, uh, real time facial mapping, not mapping, but uh, tracking. Because mm-hmm. what I want is a pumpkin that sits outside the house, and then I can watch on like a like a camera, and just like yell at kids <laughs> coming by, like you know, like. Hey kids, have you heard about the new world order? <laughs> no, this is no. this is over. No, because no. what I want it, it's a really nice effect. Like I have questions. All these things you, you're always wondering if you're going to get what you're looking at, and they're showing you video. Yeah, but at the same time, the principle is not that hard. Like it's pretty easy to figure out, right? Like in theory, you could kind of just make your own. This is this is like a really contained version of something that they've been selling for years. Yeah. At a premium, by the way, which is the projector footage to put on your windows. Right, right. I mean, that, that's kind of been a more recent thing in the last like three, four, five years, right? Like the projectors yeah. and putting stuff on your garage, even like the Christmas laser displays, everybody putting those like laser projectors on their lawn to do yeah. snowflakes and yeah, just dots and things like that. I kind of wish I lived in a house house and not a townhouse because ultimately I want to take this to its logical uh, its logical end point, which is where I have 
three projectors projecting into three different windows in the garage door of the house where the <laughs> mouth is, and the whole house talks at the kid. That's yeah, ultimately what I want. The whole house is alive. That's... Hey, kid, what do you got? Give me your candy. Where are you going? Make the like mouth just... the garage door so that it's like, <laughs> come inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, that's, that's, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of like... If if I had more money, more time, and a time. house, like the kind more of energy. laser uh, projection mapping stuff that people do now, um, yeah. You know, if, if you're watching the hockey game and they they laser project onto the ice like these kind of Qbert grids, and then they all fall apart and everything looks three dimensional. It looks like the ice yeah. is stacking up, and um, that's that's all. The, I mean, it's super fascinating to me. Like the uh, Samsung just announced a. Uh, one of their laser throne projectors. Have you seen those where it throws the light? Uh, no. So it doesn't have to. So, so these these throw projectors. It sits literally on your um, your little hutch or your media table, whatever you've got that you would you'd normally put your TV on, and it just looks like a center channel um, sound bar. But the projector is built inside that center channel sound bar, and it literally just shoots up at the wall. And it projects 135 inches or something crazy like that from from hmm. that little table. So it doesn't have to be behind you. It doesn't have to be mounted to the ceiling or to the wall or anything. It's just, you know, literally a little speaker that sits on your your table. Um, it is probably going to cost a ridiculous amount of money. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, speaking of things more accessible like, you know, f- facial projection pumpkins that are now decor, uh, you know, give it five ten years and we may all have one of these things it just projects on five ten years or two years (laughs) if i rope if i rope a programmer into helping me uh work on the unreal engine a little bit right yeah exactly because there's a lot of off-the-shelf stuff like i'm not saying it's easy but i'm saying in a world where guys are wiring together arduino boards for their christmas and halloween displays it's not a huge step from taking unreal off the shelf and some basically there's a lot of free resources out there for from very simple, uh, like let's put it this way: given that your phone knows how to go look for your eyes and your mouth and do the little animated emoticon yeah. thing, right? Yeah, it's not that hard to point a web camera at you and make uh, a a rend- like a pre-rendered um, uh, animated face, like just mapped up to the waveform. Uh, you know, the pumpkin eyes and mouth in black, which you then just project onto your little pumpkin-y guy, like the inside of it. You'd have to get a small projector. Like, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't hurdles, but I'm sitting here. I am not an engineer. <laughs> I am not a programmer. And even I am going, if I could find just one technical-headed programmer guy, I'm pretty sure we could hack this yeah. together. Please help me. Yeah. That's what I want. I just want, I guess, it's out of that or to go to the next step, which is when uh, Home Depot brings in the the giant ass spider or the dragon skeletons. Have you seen those? The yeah. giant spider would be better with a little little bit of animatronic leg movement. Some sort of, just have the sp- just have the eight foot spider yell at kids. <laughs> Halloween <laughs> will be burnt into their brains forever. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. Yes. Yes. Um, That'll be next year because I have to make up for this year, which is probably going to be a little subdued. Uh, subdued and nobody's going to be going house to house to see it. It so, was horrible. Yeah. 2020, they canceled Halloween. In 2021, a 10-foot spider yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> they told me to leave all the candy on the steps and run. <laughs> it was the worst two years uh, of Halloween ever. Oh, uh, boy. What is happening? Hang on. 
Yeah, crack that beer. Um, oh, no, not a beer. What am I drinking here? A Moscow Mule in a can by uh, Muddlers. Hey, there you go. So, yummy, I'm assuming is <laughs> it doesn't even say. Alcoholic <laughs> drink. It's, <laughs> it's very gingery. I don't know if it's vodka. I don't know if it's grain alcohol. Goes oh, in vodka. belly, does job. All does is, job. All is well. Make um, pain go away. <laughs> Sleep yes. late into morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Create no, no, the it's, fog. Yeah. It's vodka. There, ginger and ginger and vodka. Oh, excellent. How are you doing? I'm, how, I'm good. I how are you the, doing? I got the I got the whiskey ready to go. I'm really excited. Nice. We got uh, Mr. Paul Gannon who's coming on the show here in a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, it's been quite some time since we've talked to him. Um, so yes. uh, excited to catch up and, and hear how he's doing and. Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. Na, 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 na. That's my new mantra. Um, yes. Yeah, things are good. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, as I uh, sit here and record this, are going to game seven. And by the time you hear this, they may or may not be in the playoffs <laughs> still. I don't know. Uh, Even I'm dimly aware that the Canucks are still in the game. Canucks are somewhere. still in it. Uh, yeah, f- Flyers uh, and Islanders are still in it. And yeah, I mean it's it's fun. I mean I'm just so glad to have sports back for <laughs> ten seconds to have something to distract us. But I'm uh, telling you, I'm not a sports guy, but but the historian in me fears for the possibility that the Canucks. This is the year the Canucks win the cup. Never won the cup. And then the year when the NHL uh, season <laughs> is completely hobbled and restructured, that's the year we win. Because then it'll be another 100 years of people going, yeah, you won. But it wasn't a real but, Stanley yeah, you Cup. you won. There's the, the asterisk next to it uh, because it was in, in the bubble uh, during the COVID pandemic. But uh, Frankly, I, mean, I think they should, they should take it all the way to the end and then like <laughs> – like game four, just throw it. Just, just. Oh no, we came so close. Well, I guess we'll Bummer. see you next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, good. Good uh, to uh, to you and and all of your uh, Canadian brethren because uh, zero cases of COVID inside all of the NHL bubbles. Uh, it's so like, far. Knock on wood. Um, but you know, uh, un- unlike here, where it's just like. Uh, <laughs> There's a virus? Uh, who cares? Uh, let's do it. High fives. No high fives. No Too high late. fives. <sighs> anyway, but before so you have we... To, you, have, you have to admit, that's kind of the benefit the NHL has, is they celebrate, but it usually involves stick on back of padded, uh, you know, shorts. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and... and mitted the... leather gloves, high-fiving. Like, there's not a lot of physical contact. And they're, in... they're all quarantined together like they're going to the International Space Station in the first place. So, you know, yeah. if you go in for a, a hug uh, in celebration that the person next to you doesn't have COVID. Um, that's that's how you do it. It's the one way to do it. But uh, yeah, before this, I can I can sense this. This is going to uh, evolve into just like the state of the world, and I don't want it to go that way. Uh, I want to get to I want to get to Paul, and I want to get to we have some news. Let's get to Paul, um, we got a little bit of merch. We got some Halloween merch. Halloween merch. We're, we're uh, heading that way. A, a convention, but, funny enough, uh, yep. which was kind of apropos of our conversation last week. So yeah, let's, let's just dive into the news, and then All we'll right, get to uh, to Mr. Paul Gannon. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Yeah, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. 
So I guess, Chris, let's start uh, Let's start by you and I once again prophesizing things completely unknowingly, <laughs> unwittingly. Uh, last week, we were talking about, uh, while we were building our, our Eagle Moss Ecto-1 kit, you know, you and I just kind of shoot the breeze and talk about whatever we want. And uh, yeah. one of the topics of conversation was the DC fandom and how we thought it kind of opened doors for more focused and targeted uh, virtual conventions and we referenced our good friend uh, Greg Miller wanting to know when Ghostbusters fandom was going to be and we kind of like ha 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 that will never happen well kind of sort of Ghostbusters fandom mm. might be coming uh, in a sense that the Hasbro PulseCon is coming uh, which is going to also of course entail all of their other brands like Transformers and Power Rangers and uh, GI Joe. Um, but you know, Ghostbusters being the focus here of our podcast, we're going to focus on that. So this is a a two day virtual convention, kind of in the same vein as what they did for, um, uh, fandom. Uh, I think fandom was two days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was Saturday and Sunday. So this is September 25th and 26th, two days. We don't know when the Ghostbusters stuff is going to be, uh, premiering, but we do know that the Tully's terrible night will go on sale, uh, on the Hasbro pulse website, uh, for, I think Uh just for the U S and Canada on the 25th and 26th. Yes. Probably the same as everything else so far. Yeah. But, um, so, so very exciting, no hints or clues as to what is going to be announced here. Um, thoughts podcast bets what do you think are we going to see afterlife merch do you think that this is kind of the reveal for something of of afterlife uh relation uh if they've got anything that is either we've seen in the trailer or isn't going to ruin anything then yeah that's the tricky part yes i mean it it could because now's a good time it could be it could be like the ecto the pulse ecto one because it, it has to be something that's going to be on exactly. the Hasbro Pulse website right this isn't just going to be their big like you know Star Wars they were supposed to be um, yeah. the, releasing whatever the new Haslab giant playset was going to be uh, last weekend they decided probably to wait for this this Pulse Con um, well so something big would be my one of guess the earlier leaks see this is the other thing was that early, earlier that must have been a Hasbro thing right the car and the the character, I can't. Well, that even was we didn't talk. Yeah, about that it. was the fright features. You're talking. Yeah, that was that was the fright features scaled, which uh, some of those have shown up. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the leaks, but people actually have their hands on those Ecto ones now, and they've put them right next to the Kenner Ecto one, and they look pretty mm. pretty similar. It's pretty okay, cool. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. There's there's one that wasn't there a car with Phoebe that was leaked. That I think that is the the fright features. Iteration. Okay. That's that's the one that we saw at Toy Fair that does have the gunner seat that's you know swings out kind of like the turtle van and is that the same one really okay I think so I thought for some reason I thought it was like again I didn't want to spoil anything so I didn't dive too deep but my I thought that was uh, separate from the oh I, th- I yeah I thought that I mean, was more I could like be the, mistaken but I thought I thought that, that was more like the, we've seen. the re- quote unquote realistic plasma figures as opposed to the the slightly oh. more stylized ones. If that's the case, hmm. we know Phoebe's in the movie. We know she fires a proton pack at some point, and we've seen the car. So since that already kind of got leaked, that's a good big item to reveal at this thing. Yeah, like it because it it'll get us all hyped and excited because we're going to see the better quality shots and stuff like that, and it spoils absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless they got something on the box we shouldn't see, but. Uh, 
I'm trying that's, to pull up that image right now just to kind of double check it. I'm pretty I'm sure not, it's I just burned the, it. Yeah, it's the, like, it's I actually, the Fright Features Ecto. That's, that's what we my, saw. The, the lap book I was using at the time, I snapped it in half, covered in gasoline, <laughs> and burnt it and got a new laptop just so I wouldn't have to like... Just to not have that that spoiler. Yeah, so so the one that, that you were talking about that you and I kind of danced around because we didn't want to talk yeah. too much about because the packaging has a little bit of a spoiler on it and, and right. Phoebe was kind of, we thought was a little bit of a spoiler. But yeah, so that that is the Fright Features uh, Ecto-1 in that same that same scale. So well, I, I still th- yeah, I still think that's a good example though. We like from the trailer, we know the cars in the movie. So if they have another car up their sleeve, this would be a good time to show it off. I mean, that would be spoiler. my thought. Yeah, if if you know, the, we know the Ecto-1, we know what it looks like, we know it's in the film, and if they're going to release some sort of cool big uh, top-tier price point uh, item, that's the low-hanging fruit, right? Um, or, yeah. or another role-playing item to go with Spengler's uh, Neutrona wand, uh, which would be something that would... I, again, we haven't seen anything in the film aside from the or in the trailer aside from the ghost trap, um, and I guess the PKE meter. Um, but yeah, it's tricky because yeah, I I don't want the toys to be spoiling anything about the movie, so I'm sure they're all thinking the same thing. Like, what can we tilt our hand with? What can we reveal? Or maybe they do reveal the first wave of the afterlife figures, um, and it it ends up being like here's. <laughs> Here's here's what the suits look like. Here's uh, when Peter Venkman suits up again. This is going to be our first look. I don't know. It seems like that's not yeah. the opportunity for it to happen. But that that's I, that feels like a, too much of a surprise. That yeah. feels like the kind of thing that if you want if you want to, you don't want to tell people. You want people going into the theaters. Uh, fingers crossed that they're going to see the old Ghostbusters uh, suit up and do something. Even though it's a strong like a strong probably. You still want them kind of, I don't know. You reveal <laughs> that in toy coy. form, it kind of yeah. goes out the window. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, there's so many things that they could, oh man. The, well, there's a pie in the sky. They'll never do it. But man, the uh, the underground lab. It was oh. the underground lab. I mean, yeah, you again, know something that we've already seen. That would be amazing. And it would don't, be in, in the plasma series scale. So it would be that six yeah. inch scale. Don't Ooh. even have to. Don't even have to show us any figures or anything. Just, just here's a here's a playset. Yay! Oh, how cool would that be? And it has the the fire pole that you know slides yeah. down, even with like maybe a little facade of the shack on top or something. Yeah, computer banks, workbench with a half disassembled proton pack. Oh, and that's cool. You, a even just a diorama, if it's not a, a full playset or something, that would be really cool. That'd be pretty cool. Um, um, but I don't know. I mean, anything they do has to be. I do not. They want hype. They want to wear it. It's still too far out to do the full court press because yeah. this is still too far out to expect the mainstream will keep an eye on it. You know what I mean? Like, like, or keep, keep, it'll keep us hyped, but frankly, you don't have to do anything and we're hyped, right? Like we're, we, we, yeah. we marked March 5th on our calendars. You don't have to do anything to get us into a theater, but it's a little too far out to show like my mom and then expect that she's going to remember five months down the line sort of thing. Right? Yeah. And, and I don't think that the, that those types of people would be paying attention to the pulse con announcements either. So it's, no. it's almost like this is whatever, like if we're if September twenty fifth twenty sixth they announce something, my guess is that it goes on sale either just f- 
just prior to the holiday rush or just after the holidays. So it's like, yeah, here's, right. here's something you can pre-order starting in December for delivery in February or, or something like that. But, um, I mean, I, that's the cool thing about it is that we have no idea what they're going to announce. No. Um, and because the movie didn't come out in July, <laughs> the sky is the limit. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. They have all of these things that are now, you know, inside uh, their pocket that they can be like, you want this ace? How about this ace? How about another one? We have all of these ready to go. We're just waiting. What if, what if we went so absolutely uh, crazy when they gave the, uh, the custom uh, Reitman figures to the directors that uh, they'll do a, 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 a production, a limited edition production oh. run. Oh, I, I want those. I right? I would be all in it. the market for that. One hundred percent would not would not bust any secrets, and I guarantee you, you'd sell every single last yep. one of them and limit <laughs> them to nineteen eighty four or something like make them a limited run of uh, you know nineteen hundred and eighty four uh, items that you're yeah. you're sure to sell in the day that they go out. I'm sure that you they know would what? sell those put out. Them, put them in 1989 uniforms and like give uh, Jason a couple of uh, <laughs> uh, birthday party accessories <laughs> to go with it. Uh, they still got the special ones on stage that were custom made. We all get to have a Jason and a... And you know what? It'll sell double because then people will run out to grab their 1984 uh, original team so they can pop the heads off and... Uh, Swap Ivan and Jason's on the oh, sort of funny. thing. So, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah that would be funny. Um, well, so stay tuned. Uh, PulseCon 25th, 26th, we'll do a special episode immediately following that uh, mm-hmm. with whatever those announcements may be because I'm sure it's going to be something exciting. Surprise, it's a Stay Puft Snuggie. Um, <laughs> that would be awesome. I would buy that. I would also buy that. <laughs> uh, I would buy four and then I would form a bank robbing crew because frankly, that would be awesome. Yes, yeah, exactly. The Stay Puffs are at it again. <laughs> Um, so before we get, I know we have some more merch stuff, but before we get too deep into more merch things, I do want to mention that the Louisiana Ghostbusters are looking for your help, um, in their relief efforts for Hurricane Laura, um, which, uh, you know, you and I have talked, Chris, especially it was last week, I think when we signed off and you and I were looking at the images of, of literally the hurricane making landfall and it was uh, pretty devastating. So I know that they're, they're and not only that, given the state of the world right now that news got buried i don't even think i yeah. properly heard about how bad it went and it went bad it so went very i think poorly and and same thing relief now because everything is so spread thin and uh there's a fiscal emergency so all of the the relief you know red cross all of the places that would usually be able to jump in are, are having difficulty doing that so um good on the louisiana, the louisiana ghostbusters if you go to their facebook page um, they have set up uh, a, a donation effort uh, because they are wonderful human beings. They have set up incentives. Uh, you can win a trip to Walt Disney World, which is Walt absolutely World? crazy. Um, I think they're selling patches or giving away patches or uh, yeah, prizes so, as patches. Or. One, I mean, this is one of those things where you sh- we should be donating and not expecting anything re- in return, but they are finding ways to incentivize it. So um, a tip tip of the, the cap to uh, the Louisiana Ghostbusters, go to their Facebook page. They have all the, all the pertinent information, where and how you can donate via PayPal and uh, how you can enter to win the raffle for the, the Disney World trip. Uh, so very cool. And, and thinking about all of our... Our, our Louisiana and Texas and, and everybody that has kind of been in the path of, of that uh, storm. Um, so check that out. Um, also kind of in somber news, uh, Chadwick Bozeman who passed, 
uh, away last week as you're listening to this. Um, just an enormous outpouring. I know that you and I don't have to, to speak his praises because everybody that listens to this show knows what a wonderful uh, actor and what a wonderful human being he was. And it was just a tremendous loss uh, for, for everybody. Um, and, and even I, I had a tough time processing it when that news came through on Friday night. Uh, it was just so... I was I was sitting down to watch Bill and Ted face the music. I was so excited. I was uh, kind of in that zone, and the alert popped up on my phone uh, that that Chadwick Boseman had passed away. And it was just like, what? Really? I no, that can't. It has to be somebody different. Um, and uh, the only reason that I mention it here on the show is because uh, Chadwick had the opportunity to work with not one uh, but two of the Ghostbusters alumni, mm-hmm. uh, Ivan Reitman, of course. Uh, he was in uh, Draft Day um, and uh, was, was kind of the pivotal uh, trading piece uh, for Kevin Costner's character. Um, and uh, that, you know, seeing Ivan Reitman uh, post a little bit about Chadwick Boseman's spirit and just what a, an amazingly um, uh, dedicated and energetic person that he was on the set uh, was, was really cool. Um, and then Dan Aykroyd, who worked with him on uh, Get On Up, uh, the, the James Brown film, um, uh, posted a wonderful and lovely tribute on his uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, pages. So uh, just tr- very sad. He was really young. He was 44, I want to say, 42. Shoot, I should have uh, I should have looked it up before we started. Hang on, I'm, I'm actually looking at it here. 76, so he's three years younger than yeah, uh, 44. 44, yeah. Um, so so very sad. Uh, cancer, having uh, taken Michael C. Gross, who uh, came up with a a a, a cancer uh, anti cancer slogan that I can't repeat here on the air, uh, otherwise we get our explicit tag. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, just really sad. So, um, so our thoughts uh, go out to everybody who worked with him and, uh, everybody who admired him. That's the other thing is just knowing what he and his characters meant, particularly black Panther, um, to a lot of people out there. It's, it's just, I know it's really sad. It's like when Chris, the only thing I can, uh, make the analogy to is when Christopher Reeve died. Like that's just kind of how this feels. It's like Superman died. Um, not, yeah, not in the comics. This is not the DC death of Superman. Like this is literally Christopher Reeve passed away. It, it feels like that. It's like my hero ha- has gone. Yeah. I mean, frankly, it'd be better if he didn't have to go, but I've been thinking a lot about how just incredibly, um, uh, what's the words I'm thinking of here? Let's just say there's a lot of people on this planet and a lot of people just pass on and their time is done to imagine that he had like a couple of years knowing that he might like these might be his last and he was treated and greeted as a king. I'm like, that's well, yeah, like like I don't people don't people don't get that and he got it. So, I mean, I don't want to call it a silver lining. There's no silver lining here. Like (laughs) trade it all if he could just still be here. But at the exact same time, I'm like, that's, well, that's kind of amazing. So yeah, I kind of hope, I kind of hope it meant something to him. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the the fact that I'm sure it did, did, but uh, I'm just not meant something. I hope it gave him some solace because you know, he, you know, he's sitting there, he's come to grips with the fact that uh, 
especially, I mean, by the time he was filming, he was, he was working to, you know, with his treatment and to survive. But man, in the last year, I can only assume that things must've just gotten more and more, you know, dire. And he was, you know, had already come to grips with it on stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that, especially by that point, the fact that everywhere he went, people were just like, hi, can I quickly tell you what kind of an amazing impact you've had on yeah. me? It's Some, something be... that gave him that, yeah, that comfort. Um, yeah. So, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll close just saying Vontae Mack, no matter what, uh, reference for our, our draft day fans out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, again, uh, just very sad, very sad news. Um, so let's see, we'll, we'll, we'll turn the tide. I don't want to, uh, lead into, uh, Paul Gannon on, on somber notes here. So let's talk, there's merch stuff. Uh, what else did we miss, Chris? There's like the <clears throat> lawn ornaments from, Walmart. Walmart's got new, <laughs> like the inflatable <laughs> Stay Puffed and Slimer. Is it those two? Uh, yeah, the Stay Puffed now comes with a Happy Halloween bag. There's a recycling, is what it is. <laughs> They're not completely new. It's not like we, hey, Peter Venkman lawn. Or- that would be great, by the way. If anybody out there that makes Halloween lawn ornaments wants to make like a get the get the whole team in the lawn ornament form, I'm in. But that what they've done is the Stay Puffed one now has. Um, a happy Halloween banner. And the Slimer one is the same as the first one they put out a few years back, which is instead of him floating over a tombstone, it's him floating over a, a pumpkin. Uh, oh, that's right. The first one was a tombstone. I was trying to think. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how this one's new because I feel like I've seen this one before. But yeah, you, that's what it you is. You kind of did. Yeah. I have, I have the tombstone one, and now it's a pumpkin-y one. Part of me kind of likes to believe that that it was going to be another kind of uh, tombstone one. And somebody said, this is not the year for Slimer <laughs> flying over tombstones. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Put yeah, a can, pumpkin in there. soften this a little bit just for can everybody? We do, can we do a pile of candy? We can't do a pile of candy. Can we do a pumpkin? We can do a pumpkin. Do that then. <laughs> do the pumpkin. Um, I forget where it was. Uh, Jason at Ghostbusters News uh, posted when I first saw it. Is this a cute little baby Ghostbuster dress coming out? Oh, I, yeah, I think that's um, I think that's one of the not rubies uh, and not spirit, but the yeah. uh, is it Hollywood costumes or Halloween costumes. Something I can't like remember. That. Yeah, but it was the cutest. Gee. It's like a little Rosie the Riveter mm. for your baby uh, Ghostbusters do we, costume. Do I know anybody with an adorable uh, girl child that likes <laughs> Ghostbusters that he could dress her up in a cute little I, ghost? Yeah, the, the thing mm. is, I saw that and I was like, oh, that would be the cutest thing. But I think it is a little too small for her now. That's Unfortunately. Uh, you're probably right because yeah, yeah it's, I think that one is for like one to maybe like one newborn and a half to, yeah to the one two T's um, yeah. but uh, but very cute and again I, I am a sucker for the, the kids especially the like toddler Ghostbusters costumes because they're always just so cute the, the yes. Stay Puft costume that's what I put my daughter in one year and she looked adorable I'm sure she hated <laughs> it and I'm going to pay for therapy 20 years from now but um, well a shout out to Todd Whalen at the British Columbia Ghostbusters, I uh, uh, handed off to him um, the little kid-sized uh, jumpsuit that I got and, uh, you know, got little tiny name tag and little tiny logo. And uh, Thomas, when he was about uh, one to two, ran around in it. And I'm kind of hoping now that we'll get some good pictures out of him this year with Fox and then we can hand it on to, you know, the, there's... Um, Pass on what you have learned. 
Well, shout out to Tyler, because another one of the Ghostbusters Bruce Columbia is just about to become a dad. So hey. give it a couple right. of years. And can, I want to I see I want to see that little, tiny, adorable Ghostbusters uniform just pass around for several years. Uh, sort of thing. Uh, sister brotherhood of the traveling flight suit. There you go. Um, oh, there, wow. there it is. There's a ch- okay. You and I have to put in a pitch for a children's book because I think we just got we it. We just figured it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, what well, else speaking, was there? Speaking of children's books, uh, that's a good segue. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mr. Stewart. Oh, uh, you're welcome. There, we have a couple of uh, hide and seek, find a item, whatever. Where's Waldo? Shapes. Whatever. I, yeah, it's it's Stay Puff. It's a Stay Puffs uh, oh, Learn oh, Your well, Shapes book. That. Yeah, there's a Stay Puff oh. Shapes book. I was thinking of the ones that finally just came out from. I think Hero Collector actually puts them out. Is the Where's Waldo books? Oh, uh, right. Of you know, f- uh, find the Ghostbusters in these uh, seeing eye uh, puzzles, basically. Um, right. But yeah, oh. yeah. Insight's got the uh, Stay Puff Shapes book for uh, yeah. for the little ones, which for is for cool. the little ones. There, it kind of goes along with the Slimer counting one. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for Egon helps you with basic algebra. Um. <laughs> Quantum mechanics and you. Man, that is, I don't want to spoil anything about it, but one of the, the best parts of the Bill and Ted face the music is uh, Kid Cudi showing up and just explaining quantum mechanics to everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is, is he's in it and I can't recall, I don't think he spits a single rhyme. <laughs> like, he kind of well, I don't want to get into it he kind of starts like good, so but, starts yeah, with his, yeah. yeah but he um, was there uh, Deus MC Machina he basically uh, <laughs> he basically we need somebody to kind of like gobbledygook uh, quantum theory around this one uh, Kid Cudi will and, do it yeah and have like a really good techno uh, jargon <laughs> talk off with uh, the young young Bill and Ted um, but yes so Anyways. yeah, so uh, yeah, kids kids books are coming. Uh, the tiki mug, uh, you also uh, put that in there. That's another sort of, of a, that's a reissue of the Mondo one, right? Uh, it was like I a, a Comic Con exclusive, I think. Well, here's the thing the la- the last time I saw it was last week when uh, Icon Collector or Hero Collector put out their little um, that little video they did, and you could see the tiki mug in it, and it's it's called the Across the Streams tiki mug. So I don't know if they made their own or or what, but this is supposed to be a new mug. Oh, yeah, I I thought when because you said tiki mug when we were just kind of uh, chatting back and forth, I thought you were talking about the Stay Puffed one that I know was it's like a it's a Mondo geeky tiki's that's been out for a while, and then the variant that was at San Diego Comic Con they just re released for a little bit. But yeah, is they, that it? Is there, that it? But there is, you're right. There was another one that I saw because, um, oh boy, there, I'm, I'm conflating Star Wars with Ghostbusters now, which is not good. That shows you where my brain is. But, uh, there was a tiki, like one of those volcano bowls that they released, uh, for uh, Star Wars celebration that was the Millennium Falcon. Right. Um, and I saw a Ghostbusters one at the exact same time. And I think that's probably the one you're talking about. Um, Let's see here. So, no, the one I saw, uh, yes, I'm looking at Jason's site to confirm here. Mondo released uh, a line of mugs, and the most popular was the Stay Puffed Crossing the Streams variant. Uh, slated to be limited to only 150 pieces is now available for pre-order via Entertainment Earth oh, for 50 okay, bucks. So, yeah, it was that one. Okay, good. But then the mystery remains because there's still the, um, what was on the, uh, hero collectors, uh, yeah, thingamahoozit. Maybe, maybe that's one of the things that, 
<laughs> in the perfect world would have released in July, August, September, and and yeah, they right? thought would so, be out by now. Um, I don't know. So stay tuned. Because I, 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 I vaguely, I have that vague recollection of what you're talking about too. Welcome to the cross rip. We have vague recollections of things. We're going to tell you about them. <laughs> we really should not be doing this while we no. have uh, drinks, but uh, no. Um, you know, we'll dig that video up. We'll see if we can find out more. Um, yeah, and and I'm sure we'll get some clarity on on that too uh, sooner than later. But yeah, um, but um, so so one last item before we get into Paul. Uh, speaking of things that go better with drinks, if you have the Discovery Channel and you have not been watching Growing Belushi, uh, boy oh boy, treat yourself to. I think the first two episodes now are available on demand. Um, and it airs, uh, every, every week. I think the third episode goes up tomorrow as you and I are, are recording, but, Mm -hmm. um, it is, it is the worst kind of reality show. And the fact that it is very not reality, you can tell that it's scripted and they've got all of these like dramatic beats in there, uh, because they're trying to hit their act breaks and give you some suspense and, oh my goodness, I can't believe I killed all the plants. Uh, but just, it's, very ham-fisted, but um, but Dan Aykroyd, as he always does, just steals the show, man. Like he shows up in the second episode, and uh, I, I I don't think there's spoilers because everybody knows that now Jim Belushi has his uh, Belushi Farms that they're selling cannabis, and one of the the brands that they have is like the Blues Brothers Working Man's uh, Weed, basically. Um, and this is now the story of how that came to be. And in the first episode, his daughter gives him the idea. Again, it's all very scripted. His daughter gives him the idea that he needs to get the blues brothers, uh, uh, brand for his, uh, farm. And so he has to go ask Dan Aykroyd's, uh, permission. And so in the second episode, he goes to get Dan Aykroyd's blessing and, I, I immediately thought of the yes, have some crew because when Dan Aykroyd walks in, he is wearing a crystal head vodka hat, crystal head vodka shirt. He's carrying his crystal head vodka bag. He hands Jim Belushi <laughs> and his manager, two little tiny bottles of crystal head vodka and talks about the cleanest Newfoundland water and blah, 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 blah. Like <laughs> goes into his sales pitch because he knows that this is a sales opportunity for him on yep. Belushi's show. It's, uh, it's just so good. I mean, it's, it's one of those where it's like, it's so ridiculous, but it's also so, uh, so good. So, um, ch- check it out, uh, especially if you're a fan of, of Ackroyd and Belushi and a few other people show up. Um, there is an intervention and that's all that I will say about it, uh, because it is a, a great moment too. But, um, yeah, growing Belushi. I, it, I was one of those things I added to the DVR and I was like, I don't know. It's, I, I just kind of want to see what Jim Belushi's up to. And I'm sure it's just about him growing uh, crops on a farm and nope, that is not what the show is whatsoever. <laughs> so, uh, check it out. I, I highly recommend it. Hey, Alice, I'm going to ask you a couple of standard questions. Okay. Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? What are you supposed to do, some kind of a cosmonaut? What has that got to do with it? Back up. I'm a scientist. 
Excellent. As mentioned, we are here with uh, our our esteemed guest, uh, return visitor, uh, Mr. Paul Gannon, and uh, I'm really excited to talk to him about his book and and his podcasts and all sorts of things going on. And he is uh, gracious enough to be uh, dialing in from across the pond uh, late in the evening his time. So uh, thanks, Paul. Thanks for being on the show. It's my pleasure. When was the last time? It's a few years. Like I want to say like 20... 13 uh, it was 2012 answer the call i think it it was oh. here it was during our first year because i remember sitting in the living room of my old house uh yeah. chatting with you guys yeah i actually so think i came yeah i think i came back a second time actually because i remember being on with Paige when we were talking about 2016 oh, uh yeah round table with Paige. yeah that's right yeah 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 Man, it's, uh, wow. it, I mean, we did an interview with Chogren not too long ago, and if anything was proven from that, my memory is totally shot. I blame uh, <laughs> stay at home, I blame kids, I blame yeah. sleeplessness, uh, but yeah. Um, I think well, that makes Paul the only three-time guest. Yeah. We're wow, going to make jackets like, like SNL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, it makes me the Tom Hanks of this podcast. <laughs> 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 well, until you find out that this is actually an elaborate intervention to your uh, crippling uh, board game addiction, so mate, it would not surprise me. Every now and then, I'll get a. I have a PO box for my podcast, and every now and then, I'll get a few small boxes, and that's fun. But every now and then, there'll be a, a bunch of huge ones, and that's one of my girlfriend's eyes roll back into her head, and she goes, I, "We can't put any board games in this house," and it's true. I have run out of space to store them. I don't have the biggest apartment. Uh, yeah. I watch. I watch on social media, and yeah, you just you find some real doozies there. I'll tell you that much. I've been really lucky. I mean, outside of the podcast stuff, I've just become obsessed with specifically board games based on TV brands and game show formats. So, Price is Right, uh, all those kind of obvious ones. You know, who wants to be a millionaire? But then there's like UK specific ones, like I don't know, the Cube, which is this weird kind of. Saturday game show thing that happened on uh, the commercial channels, which is basically you put a contestant in this big plastic cube and they had to do some kind of physical challenge, like throw a ball through a hoop or some... So they made a board game out of that. It's basically full of little kind of toys you get in a, uh, you know, a fairground machine. You know, you put a coin and you turn it and a little <laughs> leg comes out. It's basically full of little games like that. The... <laughs> The, the the games they made where they really wish they could make a video game out of it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> we can't make a video game, so let's try and replicate it with plastic and cardboard, I guess. It doesn't often come together. But then no. also, the other side of that is video games that become board games. So you've got Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Zelda, and you've got all those big elaborate uh, board games that came out in the 80s. There you are. Yeah, I could talk. This is not a board game podcast. <laughs> oh, so. no. Well, <laughs> it could be at this point. Have yeah. you done either of the real Ghostbusters ones? I've got, yeah, I've got one of the real Ghostbusters ones, the one that's not based on the board game Ghost Castle. Um, this is the one that's a little bit, it's like a little role play kind of thing. It strangely right. shares a lot of DNA with the Ghostbusters thing that came out, what, 10, 15 years ago, whenever it was. The. Um, who made that game? Come on, Brain. The Cryptozoic one? Yeah. yeah. It weirdly shares a lot of DNA with that because it has a little dial. And when you land on a ghost square, you have to kind of do a weird RPG thing of spinning the dial. And that tells you how successful your capture was or if it was a miss. And then you have to roll a dice for the trap. So, um, yeah. I've got hmm. that. I've also got Ghostbusters International. Uh, and then I saw on eBay the other day a $75 Ghostbusters game I'd never heard of, but it's basically battleships. Have you ever heard of that? No. No. No, not uh, at all. 
I'll have to find you the link, but basically, imagine battleships, but with Ghostbusters. On one side, you have the Ghostbusters, and on the other side, you have the Ghosts. And it was an electronic game, so where you move the character on one side of the screen, on the opposite side, uh, you had to try and land on the Ghost Square. And I'd never heard of this before in my life. It's made by some weird, I think it was Canadian toy company. And it was going for like $75. And I just, wow. I can't justify that on top of, you know, all the other shipping costs. That's, yeah, yeah I've never heard of that one. That's a new one to me. I might be looking at it here. It should like a weird purple, it's got, it's got a purple plastic rim to it and stuff. And it, lo- it, it, it looks nicely made. Like even all the real Ghostbusters are, you know, made in little plastic faces, like masks that you pin to the board. Was it? Real Ghostbusters talking electronic game? Yeah, I think it might be that one. <laughs> the instruction manual cover is, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Oh, no, help. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's got the, the the heads of the guys and then, yeah, heads of the ghosts and the grid, the battleship grid is a haunted house. Yeah. Like four rooms in, on a grid. Wow, but I'd, that is... I'd n- never heard of that until no. about a week ago. Interesting. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, 93 bucks for that one, and then the other one is... There's another copy up for 150 Canadian. No, from the wow. United Kingdom. They're both from the United Kingdom. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, this is deadly. Now I have got a <laughs> deadly decision to make. <laughs> this, is, this is the worst intervention as, ever. As we, pa- yeah, as we pause the interview for Paul to pick this up now. <laughs> I am hovering over the make an offer button right now. So we, I'm going to just close that window down because this is unhealthy behavior. Oh, right, wow. okay. <laughs> That's great. I've never seen that before. This is the only time there's been an intervention that ends with like you and me competing as we speak you mentioned the podcasts uh paul cheap cheap show is still going strong uh what what else yeah. have you been working on the, the last uh, few years since we haven't spoken oh god everything i mean cheap show is still going strong it's five years and we're about to do 200 episodes which for us is big because we never thought we'd get to 50 uh and uh it, that's been really successful it might be sadly the most successful thing i've ever done creatively in my life because we've just had this groundswell of audience over the past few years and like we're close to two million downloads over the course of that time so it's madness and we've it's had we've had a lot of weirdly during lockdown a lot of really um great episodes and that i've gone on about this before i'm not going to waste your time talking about it now but there's a specific thing that we did a search of called the winky which is a small badge that was had that had a limited release in Los Angeles in 1984. And it was a stupid little badge. Uh, but what we didn't know was when we discovered it in this charity shop, it led to this story involving French songwriters and an unrelated disco track. It led to finding out about um, Keith Haring, the artist, and his work in San Francisco, a club called Deviate. It led to a six-month billboard competition where 12 people lived on a billboard in Sunset Strip for six months trying to win this competition where they'd win uh, a TV show and a script reading and a blah 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 and it, all because of this tiny badge that apparently no one in the world remembers <laughs> so we ended up doing a three hour documentary on our podcast about it because we spoke to some of the people who lived on the billboard and spoke to them about their lives. We spoke to the French composers of the disco track and we just broke it down like a dollop episode. It was just, for me, really rewarding to do something a little bit different. So that's been great. What else? Uh, Digitizer is a weird, stupid YouTube channel I do with a guy called Mr. Biffo who used to write uh, video game reviews 
in the 90s. And he's got this kind of cult following. But what we basically do is we made we raised the, the funds for a six-part TV-style series based on retro gaming. And then since then, we've kind of just been doing minis. And then there's that. And then bits and bobs. And I, I freelance at radio stations in the UK. I'm a producer. So I am busy working mostly at night with weird people. That seems to be my life now. <laughs> well, and, and the, the biggest thing I want to talk to you about is uh, the, uh, the unbound um, crowdfunding that's going on for your book. What, uh, tell, us, tell us about the book project and where that's at right now. So I had never planned to write a book. I'm not a huge writer. One of the reasons why I work in radio is because it's easy for me to use my voice than to type. It's mostly laziness. Um, but when I spoke to you guys a fair few years ago, I was doing my solo show, um, I think in 2012, 2013. And that show was based on the fact that to get over uh, my depression and a few suicide attempts, I thought I'd go ghost hunting. Because at that time, I was obsessed with all those, you know, most haunted or ghost hunters or ghost adventures type shows. Mm. And obviously being a massive died in the War Ghostbusters fan, it felt like for whatever reason, this felt like a way I could get over my depression. I'm not going to say it cured it, but it certainly led me on a really interesting adventure where for about five years, I practically became a ghost hunter. I was going around the country, looking in all these haunted buildings and doing tours and a theater tour. And then it all became a solo show because it, it kind of talked about how I use these experiences to kind of get a greater understanding of death and things. And then forgot about it because basically after the show uh, ran at Edinburgh, I kind of went off doing stand-up comedy, which is what I was making money from at the time. And I just thought, I, I'm not enjoying this. And that's when I got into radio. And I forgot about it until about a year ago when a friend of mine said, oh, I know this guy. He runs this company called Unbound. What they do is they take pictures from writers and then they say if you can raise the funds uh you know in a kickstarter style way that pays for the production of the book and then anything on top of that is all profit so you just need to raise the money so i went okay i'll do that without any real clear thinking and so i decided to turn the solo show into a book which is called ain't afraid of no ghost until lawyers get involved which could potentially happen um but it was based on that solo show I, i'm basically going to take that hour show and then put in the book all the things i couldn't cram in to that book you know more about my life so the book will basically be a kind of examination of my life as a kid growing up being weird into the supernatural trying to go ghost hunting getting into ghostbusters finding all that out and then f catching up with me in my 30s when my life goes to shit and then that's when You've got all the kind of conflation of the ghost hunting stuff, the, the the paranormal world I got involved in. And then because of the 2016 movie and the Ghostheads documentary and working with Anthony Bueno on the Ghostbusters documentary, that whole kind of how Ghostbusters came back into my life in a, in a massive crashing wave. And then I thought, oh, I know, I can end it with the Ghost Fest. So I can kind of make this journey from being a kid, weave all these stories, and then end with the Ghost Fest as a kind of... I don't know, you know, candle on top of the cake kind of way to end the book. Yeah, yeah. The plan was to actually talk about afterlife, but that might post be postponed in my book. We don't, but, I mean, yeah, I also you can talk to about the, the long wait uh, that grew even longer because of uh, pandemic and everything. And yeah. On. yeah. To be honest, the only thing it really does ruin is the, uh, is, is the, is knowing that on the side of Ecto-1A and Ghostbusters 2, it's practically got the release date of Ghostbusters Afterlife on the side of it. I think that's the only thing we're getting. <laughs> we're losing. Um, 
Yeah, but, yeah I mean, I, I do want to talk in the book about those films. I want to talk about how my opinion of those films have changed over time and, and, and what the fandom means to me as well and those experiences. So it's going to be a celebration of Ghostbusters, the franchise, the people, the people who made it, but also how my life weaved in and out of that fandom and that franchise. Would you say... Um because we talked about this, we talked about this several times before. It came up again uh, when we were just talking to Chagra in there last week about, and I, and I I watched the the Unbound trailer you guys put yeah. out for the book, and it seems like it was the kind of same thing for you that you kind of hit Ghostbusters at a certain age, a certain formative age, and so it kind of mm. imprints itself. Is that that's safe to say? Yeah, well, I, it definitely wasn't the first film I ever saw at the cinema, but I remember it being the, the first film I wanted to see. Because right. in the UK, there was a TV show Saturday morning thing called Going Live, and they did a movie review. And I just remember my first image of Ghostbusters full stop was the presenter and the logo on his shoulder, you know, where they superimpose it. And then the scene, the clip they showed was uh, the Cedric Hotel, uh, you know, meeting between Venkman and Slimer. And that literally blew my mind. And I think for months on end or weeks on end leading up to the release of that film, I must have nagged my parents every day to remember to take me to see it on opening night. And it was the first one that just had an imprint on me. And I think, you know, there are so many geeks and nerds out there now with the way the popular culture has grown that kind of associate with Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Star Trek. And I think when people talk about those in those kind of hallowed terms and what they meant, what that film, what those films meant to them, I have that for Ghostbusters because I don't think it's... I think what I took away from that film was not so much the humour of Venkman and things, but I think I was just caught by the imagination of science and the supernatural. And I think that's what ultimately led to everything that happened in my 30s. Because hmm. this is the, the thing we, we haven't talked about much on this show is how um, some people for Ghostbusters, you know, it, it becomes that kind of that formative uh, movie early on, the one that kind of sticks in their brain and they keep coming back to. And for some people, it tends to kind of morph into, <clears throat> I don't know, weird pop culture first principles in terms of how they approach life or things like mm. that. Like for me personally, I kind of, um, the movie kind of mor um, morphed into an allegory of of uh, of of fighting metaphorical monsters, right? Like rather yeah. than being scared or trying new things, or you know, uh, 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 breaking down when things get tough and stuff like that. Like it, it it turned into kind of this 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 for me like a the the concept of the um, uh, you know uh, uh, the trials and tribulations of life can be approached as you know with the mindset of a of a monster hunter, right? So I, I was just yeah. kind of curious. You know, because you then quite literally went looking for ghosts. But I was kind of curious, <laughs> quite curious. I went a bit like, too far. <laughs> no, not necessarily though. But I'm kind of curious, like if 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 the, if there may is there's an element of that there for you. I think there is. I mean, the thing is, it's it's interesting. You as the film gets older, you see more and more text put upon it in terms of how people reevaluate that film, and it changes from generation to generation. So. I, I seem to remember Ghostbusters is one of those films that while it was successful, it never really got any respect until I would say the early 2000s or around about the time of its 20th or 25th anniversary and the DVD came out. And then there was a lot of people like reevaluating the film and looking at it cinematically and looking at it from a kind of, you know, production point of view. And then you've got all these people now who are attaching things like, oh, it's about Reagan's America or it's about corporate America or it's about blue collar versus blah, blah, blah. And then you've got 
like, you know, how Ramus even, when he's done interviews, saying, you know, what was interesting about the film's success is there are no human villains in that. So when people play together, they were always fighting those imaginary demons. And so it was a, it was a, it, it inspired people to not fight each other, but also kind of form a team and battle the unknown. And I think if anyone's going to take anything away from Ghostbusters, you can definitely see how there's a sense of it, it's got an unusual, um, you know, uh, what's the opposite of a protagonist? You know, it's got it's antagonist. Got, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like because there's no physical villain, there's no Russian bad guy, there's no European, you know, Euro trash villain. Uh, it, it feels like when you play it with kids, it's a group activity, and there's you know it's it's a friendlier experience. Right. So I don't know. I mean, with me, it was just I think I was obsessed with the supernatural as a kid. I loved ghost stories. I loved haunted houses and all those kind of things. And I just was fascinated by the idea of taking it out of you know the kind of gothic horror and taking it out of the the kind of spooky unknown occultist stuff and like pushing it up against science and technology i think that was it and i think ever since then i've had this obsession with like that fine line between what's acceptable for reality and what's acceptable for fantasy does that make sense my rambling because <laughs> i feel no, like i'm rambling <laughs> i feel like wish wish fulfillment and fantasy uh, i mean obviously when you're a kid playing uh 100 it it definitely sort of ticks all of the boxes there and hmm. um you know then you know you 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 went that extra step further where it became sort of less fantasy less role-playing and more reality when you started doing the you know the the hunts the ghost hunts um i, I mean i don't want to spoil anything in the book but can you tell us any any things that you experienced or any things that you found or maybe maybe tease something that might be in the book well what is interesting is that you tend to find because i mean this could be a very long conversation i'm trying not to go off on my many many tangents but like a lot of people who go ghost hunting tend to be nine times out of ten fans of ghostbusters it's or they're horror fans in general and so you've got a lot of these people who i think have seen ghostbusters or are into their horror and then at the same time you've got a lot of people who um they they're just into being a master being getting like for instance they're in a shit job nine to five but at the weekend they're ghost hunters because they've seen the tv shows and the and it's a very easy thing to pick up a camera and go do yourself if you really wanted to so it makes it kind of accessible so there are a lot of people there who I think go a bit too far with the tech. And I think one of the interesting things from my experience is that every single, I want to say quote unquote paranormal experience, because I am upfront by saying I don't believe in ghosts, which is <laughs> a bit of a problem when you're writing a book about it. But all the experiences I've had have been personal and has nothing to do with technology. It hasn't involved me using a special gadget to find or a machine to you know, law or communicate through. It's always been like what the first thing that ever happened because the joke I make in the pot in the show is ghost hunting is a lot like fishing in that you spend hours doing nothing and then you lie about what you did catch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of that. And I, I mean, it just to, if I just said, if just for example, if I said I did a hundred hours of ghost hunting, the number of spooky things that happened probably comes down to about six minutes. And that's, you know, a really bad, you know, that's a bad average. Um, but the first one I had was I was in this place in London, uh, just outside of London in Stratford called Ragged School. And it was the first school for poor children created by a guy called uh, who became known as Dr. Bernardo's. 
who was a children's charity. And it was an idea where kids who were uneducated and quite young could get a basic learning of reading and writing. Um, and the school still exists as a museum. And it, when you go there, it's spooky. It has got that kind of late Victorian architecture to it. It's kind of pokey and small. Um, and I'm in the middle of this room. And again, this is me doing the very, very potted version of the show. But I'm in this room and I remember standing alone in a, in a reasonably big room. You know, I'm no good with things, but it must have been like 20 feet either way. And I'm in the middle of it. And then I remember just getting this cold chill. And I'm not saying this was a ghost or anything other than a breeze, but I remember at that time feeling this cold chill, the air going really static, and then the doors ahead of me slamming shut and then mm. slamming back open again. And then that was it. And then the atmosphere changed. And I can't explain that. And I'm not going to go say it's a ghost, but it was certainly one of those instances where it's like, I can't really explain that. And that unnerved me. Wow. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, I also had to pieces of audio captured of spooky things which uh was great because as i say you don't capture a lot of stuff i tend to find uh if i'm ever going to go out with a ghost hunting crew i tend to be just the person on the audio because all the gadgets and the and the k uh, the k meters k2 meters whatever they're called that they use um are all just gadgets to make them feel like they're doing something and i tend to find <laughs> they just get in the way like i hate radio uh, like voice ghost boxes which is like a radio st- uh, tuner that doesn't land on a station so all you ever hear is the static and then you hear snatches of radio stations in between that static and then people read into that messages mm. so then you hear people going right. oh is there anyone out there hey oh did you hear that it was a hey there's a ghost here you think no that was that was Jemmy and the Bean doing their Saturday morning breakfast show oh man but I mean there's... all the more reason that you should be a skeptic like to be able to question those you know every uh, Mulder needs a scully you you have to be there to kind of be like alright everybody calm down the yeah. spirits are searching for caller number five <laughs> well yeah they have two tickets to the concert <laughs> well, yeah. we've got two tickets to Smash ghosts. Mouth <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it, you know so so there was one occasion uh, and this this is one of my favourite ones uh, I was in this fort on the south coast of England and these things were built into the uh, the cliff faces you know so they were huge things designed to fire at incoming ships and I'm bad with dates so I wouldn't even want to tell you when it was built but on this ghost hunt at one in the morning we're on this level it was kind of where the building is half above ground and half below ground and we just start hearing this kind of like ba 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 boom, ba 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 boom, and it was so loud that we all stopped what we were doing. And I radioed up to like the people who were in the kind of um, the office above, who were kind of looking after the place. I went, "Is anyone doing fireworks? Or are they setting cannons off? Because we're hearing this loud boom." And they went, "No, it's one in the morning. No one's setting off cannons. No one's setting off fireworks." And I'm mm. saying, "Well." I can hear it, so I recorded it, and I've actually got the footage of what you hear of this. Me and these people in this corridor, and then you hear this 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 cannon fire going off. And then when I spoke to someone later, they said, "Oh, weird, because that where you were was where the arsenal was. That's where the cannons would have been, you know, before they bricked it all up. That's where they would have been pushed out and then fired at the ships coming in." Wow, interesting. But then that leads into the whole thing about stone tape theory, which is this idea that the mortar and brickwork of a building can absorb sounds and feelings. And if you play it back at the right resonance, you can recreate the sounds or images of the past. Now, I think that's largely claptrap. But if you're going to put any kind of solution to why I heard those sounds, you could argue it was that. Yeah, some sort of muscle memory within the the matter itself. Interesting. It It made for a great movie, though. 
<clears throat> yeah, well, that the stone tape. This is the interesting thing about the stone tape theory is that it was written by it was Nigel Neal, I think, and yeah. it's a great little um, spooky story about them trying to you know get a message out of these rocks. But until he wrote that play, there was no real science about it. But it only became a scientific film after the TV broadcast. In the same way that the Ouija board was made to look like a demonic thing after the exorcist when beforehand it was more like a magic eight ball it, it just feels like it was because of pop culture co-opted into science yeah yeah so i've got loads of stuff like that yeah that's cool i mean i mean you're gonna put all that 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 time into it it's actually kind of cool to come away with you know a couple of good stories right if nothing else as you say it's like fishing <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, mean, I, I think i went into it for the human element i think because i got to know a lot of people and i got to know a lot of psychics now in terms of people who are psychic i i do not buy that for a second and i've worked with so many of them that i see how that how how the sausage is made so to speak Mm. But a lot of them are just decent people. But what they do, I find deplorable because, you know, sometimes they can really get involved in people's personal lives that they have no right to do. And in Take worst advantage. cases, yeah. yeah, and in worst cases, they work with the police to try and solve murders. And it's just like, no, that's that that doesn't work for me at all. Um, and I met a lot of people who also were getting into ghost hunting for the first time because they'd seen the TV shows and because for a small amount of money, for about 50, 60 pound dollars, whatever, you can spend the night with a ghost hunting group in a building overnight and do what you see on the TV. And there was one case of a woman uh, going to a, I think it was a place in, uh, in just outside of London called um, the Hellfire Caves, which is a fascinating, wonderful place to investigate. And she was there on the night, and she was asking all these interesting questions and asking to know about the afterlife and what happens when a person passes over and what is a ghost and are they sentient. And I was thinking, oh, that's interesting, considering she's just, you know, Sarah from Dagenham who works at the call centre half the time. But during a cigarette break, I went outside, and she was talking to a friend who'd come with her. And from the overheard conversations, she was talking about how her husband was, you know, was dying of cancer. He didn't have that long to live. And so she was doing this because she wanted to know he was going somewhere after he died. And it's not my, it's not, it's, it's not for me at that point to walk up to her and say, oh, you know, it's all shit though, right? This, because that's not mine. That, I have no right to do that really. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, an, it's an interesting world to live in because even though, on the surface, it's silly, and it's about people chasing around ghosts in the dark. You are dealing with humans, and when you deal with humans, you add in all this crazy shit on top of it. So there's loads of reasons why people claim to be psychic or claim to see ghosts or want to hunt them, and they have their own reasons for their own quest. So it, it, that, that's what ultimately it came down to me. It became an interesting study on human behavior and an interesting study on how pop culture really does affect how we see the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, you know, what you sort of imprint upon things based upon your own experiences and what your wants and needs are, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. If you want to experience something, chances are you're going to experience it. Or if you need to know that the spirit world exists, uh, for, for some reason to take kind of solace in it. Yeah. You're going to want to do that too. I mean, um, the thing is, you wouldn't go up to Dan Aykroyd, would you, and sit him down and say, well, I need to tell you why most of your supernatural theories suck and your dad was a hack. You don't want to do that kind of thing because ultimately it's like his experiences are personal to him yeah. and his family and mine are going to be very different. And then you can start getting into, well, what is a supernatural experience? How do you classify it? And a lot of people think it's such a, a personal, unique experience that it's hard it's one of the reasons why it's hard to capture footage of ghosts is because maybe it's not a universal phenomenon we can all witness at one point, but it's something only one or two people will ever see in their lives. And that's where right. it gets all metaphysical. 
that came up talking with Chagrin that there's that common that common visitation that families have when somebody passes that they you know wake up and they're in the room and they have a small chat and then they wake up in the morning and find out that they passed away right like yeah it's very because specific to to the yeah the passing of a of a family member there's a really interesting book called paranormality uh, by a, guy, a professor in the UK called Richard Wiseman and he talks about how and this is what I find interesting because he's a skeptic and obviously he doesn't believe in this stuff and the book is designed to tell you about how the brain works and why we see paranormal activity. But in the course of the book, one thing he makes clear, and I don't know if he's meant to make this clear, but he kind of basically says, well, if we hadn't studied um, the supernatural in these instances, we wouldn't have learned about REM in our sleep or we wouldn't have learned about how the brain copes when it dies or we wouldn't, we wouldn't have learned X, Y, and Z had it not been for an investigation into some paranormal claims. So... There's validity into the exploration of the claims, but whether that means there's life after death, that's a huge other different topic. Right, like the mm. amount of, of information that came out of strapping high-energy magnets to people's heads and going, well, that's why you had a religious experiment, because of the magnetic field. <laughs> exactly. But, but the more stories you hear, the more common traits come up. The number of times I heard a story that's basically had the framework of oh, i was a kid i was in bed i woke up but i knew i was definitely awake and at the end of the bed there was someone standing over me but i was definitely awake because i remember it and i this that and the other and you think well yeah but then night terrors and deep sleep and all these kind of things that can explain away this kind of stuff it's like common there are common ghost stories but everyone's everyone's own version of those stories are so personal because they're tied right. to a relation <clears throat> they could be an expression of of um, just the human brain, the same way that at some point or another we've all had that nightmare where our, our teeth fall apart. You know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody has. There's this these sets of dreams and stuff like that that we've we if nobody brings them up and then when somebody does the whole room goes oh yeah I've oh, had I've one had of that. those yeah yeah it could just be the same thing that at a certain point kids with brain development and yeah they wake up in the middle of the night and little forming brains go there's somebody in the room and it's not necessarily somebody in the room it's just this this it's as a side effect of <laughs> we have really <laughs> weird brains let's just be honest about it yeah um, it's, it's one of the ongoing mysteries and that's why i think it's that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why i find ghost hunting and the paranormal so fascinating is just because it's a lot less about life after death and it's more about what are we like how do we see the world Right. Um, I, I don't know. It's a great book, by the way, Paranormality. It's highly recommended if you're interested in that kind of stuff. I, I, I found it eye-opening. Yeah. I found it really eye-opening. And it's, it was one of the books I read when I was doing all the ghost hunting stuff. It really came in handy. I'm actually writing it down. I was going to say, I'm yeah. going to check that one out too. That's, that's really interesting. Because again, as I say, because all these stories are personal, it's like without, you know, Dan Aykroyd having those experiences, we wouldn't have Ghostbusters who you wouldn't be doing this podcast, a billion lives would be different yeah. because of one person's belief. So it's fascinating when you do root causes because through doing all this study and like researching, you know, Dan Aykroyd's family and his ghost dad's book and things, I was going all the way back to all the um, uh, HP Lovecraft stuff because there's a, there's a book he wrote set in Boston and I can't remember what it's called. It's like The Crumbling House or The Shuffled House or something like that. But it's basically Ghostbusters book written in 1905 or whatever it was when it was written. And it's fascinating. It's about these two guys who spend the night in a haunted house with basically proton packs on. And they try and capture this ghost. Ooh. Hmm. Hang on a second here. Because I, I, I find Lovecraft a little dry by time. So I have by no means completed reading all of his stuff. But now I'm very curious here. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, obviously, Lovecraft has his problems because of his horrible <laughs> yeah. beliefs. But this is one you can consume because it's it's a very short story. Uh, the Shunned House, it's called. The Shunned, the Shunned House. House. Okay. It's basically Ghostbusters, but written in, sorry, it was 1924. And I'm betting dollars to donuts that one is even free online. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Stuff. I think it is, yes. Nice. Okay. Oh, good. I, have I, reading I always love that because I, it's one of my favorite things is, I, I'm sure I'm not unique, but I always love when people watch Ghostbusters for the first time, I say, well, you know, it's probably one of the most accurate Lovecraft films ever put to film, right? <laughs> and, then, and then I bore people for half an hour and ruin the experience for them. Yeah, the idea that not necessarily dealing with spooks and spirits of grandma and all that, but sometimes it's extra dimensional entities. Yeah. And- yeah, 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 and that—that—that's the lovely gamut of the supernatural. Is that you know, there's always an, there's a reason. There's always a reason for something, and there's always an excuse for something. Yeah. But you know, everyone's truth is truth. It's hard to pull it apart. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if you've gotten anything out of Ghostbusters, you'd have to have a real set of balls to go to Dan and say, you know, yeah, it's kind of right. stupid what you think. <laughs> I think you're full of crap, and my dad says you're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, the horrible part would be he wouldn't probably get the reference straight away, and then that just leads to a really awkward three awkward seconds. Yeah, seconds. Then there would be real awkward pause. Yeah. Um, but this is the thing. I mean, I personally don't believe that of Dan and his family, but I, at the same time, you can see how taken away from the framework of the franchise, his family and his dad are what you would probably call unusual with mm-hmm. an unusual lifestyle. But those unusual people give us the things we love. Yeah. Hence Ghostbusters. So, so you, can't, yes. you can't fault that. Yeah. You've got um, to love the weirdos. They give us some of the best stuff. Well, so so you mentioned FanFest. Did you have a chance then to to meet and interact with Dan? What uh, what what happened? No. What was your experience with FanFest? Because I've, I've really been tickled hearing everybody's uh, various points of view. I'll so tell you my- what his FanFest experience was. <laughs> he spent an entire day texting me saying, where are you? And then we didn't cross paths. And then when I finally crossed paths with him, he brushed me off for some stupid cat. That's what happened at FanFest. <laughs> a cat? For a cat? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, man. I was, I was, uh, FanFest needs to be repeated just so we can hang out more. Because that was, frankly, one of the biggest disappointments of the whole thing was that when we finally managed to fight oh, one another, you had, you had to get back to your... Uh, House sitting duties. Yeah, it was such a nightmare because I'd, basically I'd come over to FanFest because um, I came over with Anthony and the crew of uh, cleaning up the town because they were trying to show it off. And then there was all stress behind that at their end. That was literally just there to do the Q&A and also turn up and just, you know, absorb it all. So the first half of the day was spent rushing around trying to speak to someone who knew what was going on so he knew where the film was showing how he could get the content onto a projector what time it was on and then by the time it had all kicked off everyone else had started going to the interviews and you know dan had done his was doing his lecture on his dad's book which was the only thing i wanted to see really out of the whole experience and it clashed with the showing of the documentary in the q a so that was the first half of the day and then the second half of the day was uh, me embarrassing myself in front of uh, most of the cast of Ghostbusters who were there on the day. So I, I, I thought I'd be a bit cheeky, and I brought my BBC badge with me so I could get where to places other people couldn't go. <laughs> oh, good man. And, okay. it, and it worked like a charm. So <laughs> uh, I got into the green room space. I mean, I know people coming out in and out of there anyway, but to cut a very long story short, you know those that that. Uh, place that was selling those metal cups with the soft soda in and it was all yeah. lovely but the queue lines were ex- 
anyway, I got one of those and I forgot that even though it was full of drink, I'd for some reason in my stupidity attached it to my lanyard. So what happened is I went into this room and there's Ernie Hudson and there's, you know, the blah, blah, blah. And there's uh, Ray Parker Jr. sitting over the way and there's blah, blah, blah. And there's a few people I recognize from the production and, and, the, and the cast of Ghostbusters. And no one's paying attention to me until the moment I go, oh, I forgot my laptop. And I stand up. And at the minute I stand up, I fling the cup into the air, showering oh, no. most of the room with grape juice and myself and the table and the floor. Oh, and then oh, no. I just, I've just got all these scornful looks from all the people. <laughs> like Ernie Hudson's just shaking his head. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and it was just, I'm sitting there mopping up with tiny towelettes. Uh. And then I don't know what happened after that because... There were all the talks going on. So obviously the director's panel happened and then the the, 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 the Reitman's panel happened. And I just got lost in that. And I spoke to Paul Feig briefly for a moment as well because he remembered me from the junket of the press. So we had a nice little chat. And then the day was over. And I spent like trying to catch up with people's messages and trying to find like you guys. And it just, uh, it was one of those days that for, took forever, but was over too soon. Yeah. Yeah. And most of mine was spent mopping up grape soda. So. <laughs> oh man, what a way to make an impression. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was bummed because there was so much counter-programming. You know, that first thing right when you walked through the gates was, okay, I, I have my choice now. I can go listen to Dan talk about paranormal experiences or I can go to the Buenos panel or they're doing a, uh, a Science of Ghostbusters panel over here and that they're all happening yeah. simultaneously. All of these things that I want to do and I can't do them all at the same time. And then, you know, Dan's first words out of his mouth when he walks uh, into his first panel is, where is everybody? Because everybody's like either right? still coming in or elsewhere. Um, I, it, that, that's what kind of, that was... The, that was my major criticism of the whole day is that because they compacted it into a day rather than the proposed weekend, it meant that everyone was underserved. Everyone really yeah. didn't get to do what they want, I think, at the end of the day. So, so this being sort of the, uh, the, the conclusion, uh, that, that resolution that happens within your book, um, did you feel like it, it was the experience that you wanted it to be, having traveled all that way and dealing with all the stresses of, of figuring out all the technical stuff with the, the Buenos and their, their panel? And, um, yeah, I mean, here's, here's the reason why I think it was beneficial in the end. So I've decided, by and large to keep my mouth shut about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Because one of the things that really ruined Ghostbusters fandom for me was the whole conversation around the 2016 movie. Yeah, uh, It just got to the point where I felt like I couldn't enjoy the thing I loved most of my life anymore without being corrected or told I was wrong or my opinion was wrong or blah, blah, blah. And it felt like, why am I having this discussion with people I don't know and are affecting me in a bad way and taking away the thing that I enjoy? You know, regardless of what that thing is, it, I, I don't go up to some other people in the street and say, oh, my God, you're wearing a Goonies T-shirt. You know, that shit, blah, blah, blah. It just feels <laughs> like that's a pointlessly aggressive thing to spend the time doing with your life. So I step back from all of that. It's like I've, I've said, basically, until the film Afterlife comes out, I'm not saying a word online about my opinions on it because I don't want to have those conversations anymore. I don't want to have that tireless debate that infinite debate that never ends with no resolution about opinions on ephemeral pop culture. Yeah. So, I, but the fan fest really showed me that public uh, f fandom opinion isn't online opinion because um, I met a few people there who up until a few years ago had never 
considered Ghostbusters as a thing in their life. And specifically, a few of the people that I met there only got into the fandom through the 2016 movie. Mm-hmm. So regardless of anyone's opinion on that film, it's absorbing fandom through it. And they go, yeah, and then I watched the two originals, and then I, I didn't know there was an extreme Ghostbusters. So yeah, in the past three years, I've just had tons of Ghostbusters all of a sudden in my life. And there was one woman I spoke to, and I'm going to speak to her because I want to interview her for the book, but she's saying she's having basically a midlife crisis. She was you know, not really not really enjoying her life. And there was a lot more detail to her than that, a lot of personal stuff. But ultimately, she said, and then I saw the 2016 movie, ultimately saw Holtzman on screen and was like, oh, that's me. Oh, oh my God, there's someone on screen that I can relate to in some way. And then she dived into the fan base. And like she said, you know, she made her own pack. She'd never done cosplay before. She'd never built her own any prop. And yet she had this fantastic 2016 movie replica pack. And I was just like, that's amazing. And so I don't see how, in the scheme of things, the 2016 has been in any way detrimental to the franchise of Ghostbusters. And certainly, I think without it, we wouldn't be even be talking about Afterlife. Yeah, no, there not is, at all. So, so I think what FanFest taught me was fans aren't internet tweets and Facebook pages and angry blog posts and YouTube clickbait that has to lead with a negative byline so you click on it with interest. You know, it's like fandom is other people who regardless of what it is they like and providing it's healthy and positive are the people who just see it like it absorb it and they express it in their own way and the people i met at that fan fest were all expressing ghostbusters in slightly different ways they're either doing it through themselves through their kids who got into it and they don't care but their kids really loved it and that's ultimately the message i took away it's like again all of these things are personal experiences they are what it what what something means to you and if that means the world to you, it is not my right or anyone else's right to take that away from you in some respect. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love that uh, that the Internet and fans are not interchangeable because I feel like that everybody always says, well, the Internet said that they wanted this uh, snakes on a plane. Everybody on the Internet says they want this snakes on a plane movie. And then the box office is abysmal. And nobody goes to see it. And every, they're scratching their heads going, I thought. I thought the fans wanted this, um, mm. where you, you just kind of have to separate the two of those things because you're right. Like the most vocal people on Twitter might not necessarily represent the majority of the group or um, yeah. the, the digital equivalent of the people who stand at the bottom of a building looking up, shouting, jump, jump, jump. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, and you have to remember. part of a mod that think it'll be funny at the time. But it's like you have to remember when we were growing up and we didn't have the internet and we just built the fandom around. I mean, I, I no one I knew really, bar one close friend, liked Ghostbusters when I was a kid. So everything about that film meant a lot to me. It was both my kind of personal, private, special thing that no one else enjoyed. And it was also like a thing that really helped me with my writing and my love of comedy. Because like Dan Aykroyd's writing is can be overwritten at times. But I think it was that just, you know, verbose... Uh, writing style that really made me love comedy language and how to use it and the pace of it and the structure of words and how many syllables to use to make a a punchline land all came from Dan Aykroyd's writing. So it's one of these weird things with Ghostbusters where when people say, oh, it's Peter Venkman's film, it's Bill Murray's film, it's like, you know what? It really, even though he's the flagship character of that film, a lot of people looked up to him. I think the older you get, you associate with different Ghostbusters. And I think when you're a kid, you think you want to be Peter. (laughs) <laughs> but then you probably, at my age now, I, I, I'd rather be Egon, you know? Yeah. 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 And and you're absolutely right. That sort of rat-a-tat, uh, technical jargony uh, sense of humor, that's all Dan. And then the sort of 
dry cerebral, uh, you know, uh, 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 commenting on uh, the human experience. That's all Harold. Uh, and then everybody's yeah. like, well, Peter Venkman's my favorite part of the movie. It's like, well, you know, Harold wrote most of those lines for Bill. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's when people say, oh, it was full of improvised greatness. And I was like, no, no more than any other comedy at the time was being filmed. Yeah. You know, Stripes was the same way. Caddyshack, Animal House, they all had that loose thing going on it's, it's just fascinating it's like I, I i you know i the older i get i think the more i see how ramus's influence in that film and how it probably was the one thing that made it the success that it was yeah yeah and it's just it's just it's i don't know the, the older i get with that film i look on it in different eyes and i think the way i look at it now is like it, it's it's a str- it's a strange beautiful film that actually shouldn't work and does because like as you were saying like you know dan Aykroyd was the kind of he knew all the spooky stuff but how ramus knew the kind of humanity of it to make it work it's like i think that was the same with the 2016 movie and that i think paul feig really loved those characters especially abby and erin but it was katie dippold i think who was really into the ghost hunting stuff and the history and the haunted houses which yeah. is probably why she just got the haunted mansion writing gig i, I was just going to say that's why i'm anxious to see her haunted mansion uh, movie mm. if that happens happens um yeah yeah so I think it's important that when you have something as complicatedly strange as the format of Ghostbusters is that you do need to have some kind of polarizing element to balance them both out. And I think that's how you make those films work. You've got to have someone representing the extremes of the, that idea. But the middle ground is what brings it together. Because yeah. obviously the often told stories of Dan Aykroyd's first scripts of Ghostbusters were unfilmable and improbable. And you need... A human to be in it, and that's what Harold Ramis did. He put a few humans in it. Dial it in. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's. I I know we we won't get into it because I don't want to put you in a position where you have to talk about it. But that's why I'm optimistic for Afterlife is because you have Gil Kennan who has that sort of uh, macabre uh, knowledge of uh, the spooky and and uh, what kind of gets people's uh, hairs on their arms to stick up on end. Um, and then you have Jason Reitman, who uh, that's not necessarily his forte. He's more focused on the humanity of things and making mm. sure that the characters uh, shine through. And so I think you've still got that good sort of yin and yang there. Uh, but uh, Do you know what? It, I, 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 so I'll say this. You're getting exclusive opinion, right? But I'll say this. <laughs> it will be interesting to see what the final film is because with legacy sequels, this is what I, which is what I call them, you know, when they bring back Rambo or Indiana Jones after a while, you... The problem with those films inherently is how much do you do that's new and how much do you do that's fan service? And just based on the sequel, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. And that's why I'm just going to go, I'll just watch it. I'll just see it. I try not to know too much about it going in. I'll just try and take it as this is going to be a two-hour film and let's see how it goes. Yeah, and that's that's the best way to d- don't put any uh, preconceived notions on it. Don't form an opinion on things before you've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's the problem with the culture of well, pop culture these days is that we talk too much about the film before it comes out, and then when the conversation when the film comes out, the conversation usually stops. Yeah. Whereas I think with most films, I mean, look at the films you love, like The Thing, Shawshank Redemption, films that were hated and flopped when they first came out, and now. Yeah. People rave about them. There is distance Blade and Runner. time needed. Yeah, and I think Ghostbusters was like that. I think even though Ghostbusters was a huge phenomenon, it was lightning in a bottle, and you know no one knew where it was going to go from there. But I think it took the years afterwards for people to appreciate how it was made and why it could only be made in that way in, that, in 1983 and why it's so special. 
because you lost in the moment at the time. So I don't know. I think distance is going to be great for the Ghostbusters franchise. It just needs more than just the iconography of the 1984 film to get by. And that's where I get a bit concerned. Hmm. It's resting too much on that. Yeah. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, well, I definitely want to bring it back to the book. I know we're, we're getting close to time here. So, um, where, whereabouts, what what can we do? Yeah. When do we get it? How close are we? So at the moment, the book is 73% funded. So that means I need uh, another uh, um, 18%. I don't know why I thought I'd drop math. That's not my best. It's not my forte. Anyway, if you go to this website, unbound.com forward slash books forward slash ghosts, you can see uh, the trailer for my book, a quick breakdown of what the book's going to be about. And then there are tiers. So depending on what tier uh, you decide to give, um, there are different options. So for instance, you might get an audio book. Everyone who uh, who backs it gets a copy of the book. And then it's like, you can get a signed one. And then I'm going to do an audio commentary, uh, an an audio book of it as well. I'm going to record that myself. Or I'm going to do commentaries for all the Ghostbusters movies. I'm going to do that. And I'm also doing a thing where I'll do the live show as well for people at the top tier for a VIP show. And if you're in another country, then I will send you exclusive footage of it or something. Basically, there are tiers. And if you want to donate money and you're interested in hearing this book and my opinions on Ghostbusters and the supernatural, then that's where you go. Yeah, and it seems like it's a, a familiar subject to everybody. It seems like you had a, a very unique experience, obviously, that was very personal to you, but I feel like a lot of us have had that same sort of like that trajectory of uh, Ghostbusters made an impression. My life changed quite a bit. Ghostbusters re-impressed me at some point in my life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and is the, what's the ticking clock on it, Paul? Do we have to, the, the additional t- uh, money needs to be made by a certain time or... And you know what? I don't think there is. I think they just kind of let it go. But if it, obviously it takes five years, they might suddenly put a pin in it. But for now, it's only been running since February. And obviously lockdowns had a big effect on everything. So yeah. it's going all right. I honestly didn't think it would get to 70%. But if if if, the, if any Ghostbusters fans out there really want to push it up to 100, I guarantee the book will be amusing and silly and heartfelt and honest. And even though my story and my relationship to Ghostbusters is no more special than anyone else's in the bigger scheme of things, what I'm just trying to do is just talk about why I think the subject's important and why I think, you know, doing something that works for you in a positive and helpful way uh, is known, it's not necessarily a bad thing if it happens to be Ghostbusters or, or, or Doctor Who or Star Wars. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Who did the uh, the cover art, Paul? It looks vaguely familiar to me. Oh, the art was done by Tony, or Vora Tony, as, as uh, he's known on uh, Twitch and Instagram and all this stuff. So uh, Tony did the art for my Cheap Show podcast, and uh, I asked Tony to do um, the art for the book. So that's the temp- that's the book, that it's, that's the cover at the moment. It might change, but ah. yeah, I love it. I love that look. Oh, well, if you change it, I want my money back. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't want it to change, but I was told by the editors that it might make it look like a kid's book too much. And I was like, oh, that's kind of true. Oh, that's, <laughs> so, that's a good I love it because I, I just love that artwork. So I, I, everything Tony does, I adore. And she, you know, he, Tony's the official uh, cheap show artist. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so oh, he's cool. got that. Well, You'll have uh, to give it a subtitle Ain't Afraid of No Ghost, bracket, not a kid's book, close bracket. Yeah, I might have to. <laughs> <laughs> I really might have to. <laughs> 
Um, well, Cheap Cheap Show podcast is available uh, all over the uh, the podcasting uh, apps and and networks. And um, Unbound, as you mentioned, is the place to look for the book. And uh, Paul, where else can people find you if they want to go looking for you? Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, which is probably the best place, it's at Paul Gannon Show, G-A-N-N-O-N. And I mostly just rage about uh, life on that, really, ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what everybody has to do at this point in time. I know. It feels like <laughs> Twitter's less a, a social media platform, more like a howling, shouting, screaming uh, to the void. <laughs> just let me get this off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Paul, well, thank thanks, you for thanks having again. me because it's been too long and I always like having a chat with you. I know we'll have to have you back on. Uh, we'll make it four, and uh, we'll just we'll get you a new jacket every time. We'll figure out some sort <laughs> oh, of. Oh, uh, I we'll love bring you this. back, and you can let loose on your opinions on afterlife. Yeah, yes. once once we get that, uh, come you know March April, we'll uh, we'll have you back. Yeah, I still think they missed a the trick with a Halloween release, but that's a different discussion. I don't know. I'm not getting into it. That's a different discussion for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Paul. See you, Paul. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, go, stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... Ghostbusters! Interdimensional crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Mr. Stewart, Paul Paul is just an awesome guy. I yes. again, the magic of podcasting. Um, it was like early morning for us uh, at the moment, and it was super late in the evening for him. And I felt like we were connected, which is a rarity right now with COVID and everybody staying at home. And uh, it was kind of kind of nice to talk to another. It was like when we had children on, it was like, yeah, it's just yeah. nice to talk to another human uh, on top of uh, you and I uh, chit chatting every week. So I don't I don't want to minimize your exhaustion, but it, it was it was early afternoon for us. <laughs> uh, was it? It was. was it, though? it was <laughs> just because just because, you know, somebody's going to do some math and go, how could it be early morning for you and late at night? But for him? eight hours is not. I know. Now, to be to to be fair, though, you and I both it might as well have been eight in the morning because I know I like by two. I was just like, uh, duh. yeah, I mean, you yeah, you mentioned in the interview that it was like I went to bed at six o'clock this morning. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, my clock is my internal <laughs> clock is just completely absolutely ruined I think it doesn't that's help but though. i got like these anti-inflammatory things and the doc's like it might make you sleepy i'm like that's a bad thing like because it's just gonna <laughs> throw everything off i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna have to caffeinate my way through like a regular day and then when it comes time to sleep the body will go well the anti-inflammatories have worn off but the caffeine's still yeah, here what do you got let's like, keep going uh, uh, keep uh, playing chop, chop. um i i do what i wanted to say though is i was looking at his um the website for his book is really close. I mean, it, it apparent it's not doesn't take a lot of, of backers to then trigger the 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 initial print run. 
Like it's it doesn't seem to be like a Kickstarter thing where they're trying to get the entire money to back everything. Rather, what they're looking for is just enough to prime the pump. Does that make yeah. any sense? Yeah. And he's really close. I know he's, he's close. Been, I mean, he he mentioned it, but I'm I'm just double checking to make sure it hasn't changed since. But it's seventy two percent funded, so he's he's super 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 close. Really close. And I mean, I I put in for a, uh, a signed copy of it, and they have like get two copies so you can give one away. There's yeah, the I mean, e-reader copy. Bucks gets you the ebook. Um, yeah. Audiobook. There's lots of different options for different for different uh, amounts that people can. Could, I don't know. I kind of want. I I, I kind of want to see this book. Yeah. I really yeah. really do. Uh, particularly after talking to him and and seeing. Yeah. You know, uh, he he made a point of like we're all fans. You know what makes me special? Well, that's that's the thing is that this is kind of everybody's story. And then I will tell you how I deviated uh, from from everybody, which is is cool. Um, well, the, the other thing too is that Paul is a to, to simplify it, he's a writer, right? He's a comedian. He 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 produces shows and all that. So it, and, uh, he's on the radio. So he talks. So words are his thing. So much the same way, like. With Chagrin, we want to see the you know the art books he puts together and the art shows he organizes and stuff like that because that's him expressing his Ghostbusters, uh, you know, or all the fans out there making their props. Like this is Paul's, this is Paul's yeah. how this is Paul's art that he's expressing Ghostbusters through. And I'm like, I yes, we've seen everybody else's. So like why don't why, let's see Paul's? Bring it on. Um, and, and yeah, and just a funny guy. I'm sure that his anecdotes, I'm particularly curious about the, the paranormal experiences that he brought up uh, on the show. Yeah. So that, sh- that should I be a lot of fun I don't know that hear. anybody wants to, nobody wants a book from me. That said, people want maybe a drinks recipe book from me, but that's an entirely different matter. <laughs> the people have demanded it now for five years and we'll eventually make it. I get on. there. But, I'll, I'll have the time and energy at some point. <laughs> After I just said, I'm, I'm really tired of taking medication that make it, is making it worse. It's it's like oh boy yeah uh, abs- sure thing kids i'll get i'll get right to that um seven so yeah, years so, later uh, uh shoot what is the what's the address again it's unbound is the name of the the website yes um i had it up i didn't realize i unbound yeah, unbound.com slash books slash ghosts and that's how you can get to uh his his uh fundraiser um and you afraid to know ghost by paul gannon yes and, yeah okay. and at the same time uh go to the louisiana ghostbusters facebook page uh chip in a couple bucks there too if you can and uh help, yes. help them out with the hurricane relief effort but um what do you got in terms of uh, final thoughts it was a yeah, it's a little one. Did you read the? Did you catch the the uh, that Australian news article about the the mum who modded her little guy's um, uh, IV uh, no. pack? No, no, I didn't. So little guy, I God, looking at him, he's probably about two, maybe three ish, three ish, three ish to four ish. Anyways, he's on um, an experimental uh, therapy for his leukemia, and it requires. Uh, two 28 day cycles of nonstop oh, IV. Man. So he's plugged in for 28 days straight uh, in two different go throughs. And I guess his older brother is uh, really into Ghostbusters, so he's familiar with it. And he didn't want to wear the, because the, what it is is, I mean, they have to run the IV in and tape it all down and all that and keep it secure. And then the whole pump thing is put in a backpack that that you know he carries around sort of thing and he didn't want it so she literally i'm looking at it she's like recycling bin and printed out stickers and some what did she call the lights um let's see here uh 
cheap battery twinkle lights from Amazon. <laughs> and she, what she basically built was like the, the surface impression of a proton pack and then hung it on the back of the backpack. So he's, so he's delighted. He walks around with a proton pack now. Oh, how cool. And what got me thinking is because I'm thinking of like Dustin and the, the stuff they did for like uh, the uh, PPE stuff and all that, all the fans that make uh, their own props and all that, and all the fans that do hospital stuff. I'm like, are we maybe just a couple of careful inquiries and some, and some you know, careful planning away from groups going that one step further of manufacturing bits and bobs for the kids in the... Because it's one thing, like, if a kid is bedridden or whatever, and they're not really uh, encumbered, that you can, you know, uh, st- I don't know, stock up on spirit packs and stuff like that, yeah. right, to, to sort of thing. But for the kids who are, like, I'm like, uh, what else was it? it? It kind of, in my usual way, this is like about eight different, eight different things crashing together, usually involving ginger and vodka in a can. Because um, <laughs> I also saw a line of... Um, because Halloween was coming up, it's just summers. It was a link to plastic uh, things that you could strap on to um, on a wheelchairs. W- wheelchairs. I, I was going to bring that up. I, I saw those this year too, and I was like, "That is a brilliant idea." I can't believe that has not right? happened until and this we, year. We, we saw that other uh, little guy, uh, you know, who's who's big every Halloween because his his dad makes some you know cool stuff for his, and he did the ecto that one yeah. year. So again, same thing. Like, like. How far away are we from just kind of pooling all our ingenuity and love of Ghostbusters and and raising money for children's hospitals and all that and just new expression of it being not just handing out stickers and stuff like that to the kids uh, at the but but building things for them to let them role play in yeah, an environment where yeah. they can't freaking role play very well. If they have to have a, an, an oxygen tank, you know, we would put a little bit of a slime blower modification right? on it. Uh, even even if they're not wearing it yeah. on their back, you, we can we know yeah. we know what it takes to kind of sort of gussy it up, and and it might be just like a little bit of, of um, you know simple tape on the side. And um, maybe a, a thrower, a tiny plastic thrower with a silly th- string attachment, right? Done. We've just turned an oxygen tank something into a, a slime it, thrower. Yeah, and then it doesn't feel like it's something that is, you know, in addition to their daily repertoire. It's it's like, right? oh, I want to do It is something that they're excited for um, or at least can feign some excitement for in some instances. But, yeah. Because little kids, little kids, you can't. You can't look them in the eye and say, "Hey, kid, you're a Ghostbuster." It goes actually. That's not true. When you dress up in full regalia and you are, for all intents and purposes, the personification of Ghostbusters on you know planet Earth, and you tell like a six year old child, "Hey, kid, from one Ghostbuster to another, you're a Ghostbuster," and you give him a certificate or whatever, that makes him feel big. Yeah. Imagine though, if you go that one step further, of and here is a proton pack, here is a PKE meter. Like they're right there, no matter what a yeah. child is. This, but, like, puffs can up their we, chest a little bit and makes them feel, you know, it gives them a little bit of courage, a little bit of, uh, right, a little bit of whatever you know might be ailing them. It kind of takes their mind off of it for a second, and yeah, yeah. like and what and again, like the, that's where the careful inquiry part came from. Like, what all are these kids um, having to endure that we might be able to kind of. Um, impart a little bit of, of our fantasy world that they enjoy too into it sort of thing right like our, yeah. our, our kids now like are any of them wearing the plastic face shields probably is there any ecto goggly thing that we can, we can add to that like just um, 
you know, maybe we can't afford to buy spirit uh, PKE meters for every kid, but you know, what, what's a simple light thing? And you know, who, who wants to do a vacuum form th- mold to start popping out, you know, basically the, the, the kid's birthday party yeah. equivalent of them sort of thing that a kid can have. Uh, what else? You know, uh, if, if you have to have like a, a blood or a heart monitor that's uh, strapped to a belt, uh, can that be turned into a, a walkie talkie or a PKE meter or something? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's a good just, idea. Just turn the gear away from the stuff that they don't want to be thinking about into make believe sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh man, that's a great idea. Yeah. I like mean, I said, it's, just, it's good on that mom too. I, I didn't see that. I'm I'm kind of bummed. That's the. I'll send you the link. It's yeah. it's really quite cool. Uh, and I'm it's. Uh, did they ultimately put the name in because they were talking about a mom on Reddit and I didn't quite get her. <sighs> no, they really didn't. But, um, yeah. Anyways, that was my, uh, my, <laughs> that was my, that was my dumb, dumb. That was my shower thought really is what it came down no, it was to. A good, a good shower thought. The best thoughts come and ideas uh, come to people in the showers. Um, but it, but I'm looking at what she did. It wasn't all that fancy. It looks really great and easy enough to replicate and since it's just hanging off of a backpack it doesn't really matter if the kid has an insulin pump or a dialysis pump or you know an iv for their chemotherapy pump whatever they have in the backpack that they got to get stuck with for a while that same thing can be hung off the back of any backpack yeah and that for the rest of the day that's the other thing too sometimes kids are so you know especially as kids get older they get self-conscious about this stuff but you know it's one thing to be walking around with a thing in your arm in a backpack and then people are asking well what's with the thing in your arm and you have it's another thing that they may not notice the thing in your arm if you've got a backpack that has a like alternating cyclotron oh, lights cool. and a row you of, have a proton pack or right yeah. so yeah um, i don't know that's yeah, good thought i, I yeah it, i it, love it, that there's a lot of steps between i thought it to <laughs> it happens but i guess my final thought is to throw it out there because i think it's quite possible as time goes on sooner or later a group will run into a situation and hopefully, you know, I've planted a seed that they'll go, you remember that dumb idea that, that idiot had and they'll go out and they can, they can do it. Right. Like they may meet a kid at a hospital in a visit and go, right, let's do that thing. Do that for him or her. Yeah. Right. So, oh man. Um, well, cool. Uh, yeah. Send me that link. I want to see that. uh, I will send you that form. But, um, all right, well, uh, very excellent episode, kind of a long episode, but uh, no biggie there. Uh, Unbound.com, go check out Paul's book. Uh, Ghostbusters, the Louisiana GBs, uh, go help them with the, the hurricane relief. And, yeah, until next week, everybody. See you on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.